Hey, thanks so much for being here. This is My City Church, and this is our podcast. We hope you are inspired to love God, love people, and lead in life. Enjoy the message. All right. Ismail, how are you doing, buddy? You here? Hey, you want to stand up real quick? Um, Can you put your hands together for him? Ismail, I had this sense. Were you a goofy kid growing up? You're very quiet. I feel like there is a level of, uh, God is going to give you a level of joy back into your life. I feel like it was robbed from you, from something, uh, even whether it was you were a kid. I can't really recall that, but I just kept hearing joys coming your way. And so I want you to receive that a little bit, be, be open to that. If you find yourself finding stuff really funny in a godly way, you know, just like, oh, look at him, he got punched in the face, you know. Um, I feel like there is a, a level of joy coming back into your life. And uh, that's all I got. So would you extend your hands to Ismail? Let's pray for him. Father God, I thank you for this, this young man of God. I thank you for what you've been doing in your life, in his life. I pray that you continue. I thank you for the work that you've been doing. Continue to do that. May the seed of joy and the, the, the fruit of joy be planted deep within his heart. Holy Spirit, that it permeate throughout his entire being. God, that you would help him to find the joy in even the simplest things. The laughter may come upon his home, uh, his, his bed. I pray that he would see the, the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. I thank you for such a, such a great young man of God. Continue to do that so in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Felt led to do this as well. And uh, this, I don't recommend this, but I just, uh, if you have ever given to any church uh, in the history of your life, can you stand to your feet real quick? And this isn't for me to, to look, well, you haven't given. I'm not looking at that. It doesn't matter. If you have ever given to any church, I felt like God was saying this, okay? Floodgates. I kept getting floodgates that you can abound in every good work. And I tell you, trust him. Trust him. He is faithful. Don't trust your wallet or the size thereof or the number in the bank account. Trust him. He can make it come to you so that you may abound in every good work. If you've ever felt like you're limiting to do something for God or God to do something through you because of your lack of resources, I want you to take a moment and rebuke that spirit of lack in your life. God wants to flow through you so that you can abound in every good work. Don't look at what you have to limit you from doing what God has placed in your heart. If he put it upon your heart to do, he will supply the means necessary to make it happen. Let me pray for you. God, I thank you for the, every single person that has given to your house, the house of God, the Big C Church. God, I pray that they would completely continue to abound in every good work, that we would not find our strength and our resources amount or lack thereof, God, but we would find our strength and our hope in you. If you called us to it, you are good to provide a means to make it possible. God, I pray that we'd be able to look to you, the owner of a cattle on a thousand hills, that if you were able to make Isaac prosper during a famine, certainly you can make your children prosper to lift up the name of Jesus during this time and this season of this world. I thank you for all the hands here. Bless their hands in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. All right. Hey, we are diving into our last week of Hot Ones. How many of y'all enjoyed the series so far? Huh? I've enjoyed it. 
It's been fun. You know what we didn't do is we didn't do a hot wings competition. Uh, not competition, but uh, we didn't do it here on stage. Um, there's still time. I need the wings. <laughs> Bring the wings up. <laughs> no, no. Uh, but I've enjoyed this. And this last week, I'm really excited to share with you. How many of you have your Bibles today? Let me see them. Let me see them. Lift them up in the air. Let me see them. Come on. Good, good, good. Bring your Bible to church. Read your Bible. Say, this is my Bible. Say, speak to me, Bible. And open up the Word of God to Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3. This is one of my favorite passages in the whole Bible. Can I tell you, it's important that you read the Word of God. Podcasts are good. Messages are good from preachers. Uh, everything, for the most part, is good except TikTok. It's of the devil. It is good to read your Bible and get in the Word of God. The Word of God will change your life. And if you are going to live your life full, you got to get your life in the Word, which is the bread of life. Otherwise, you'll be living your life malnourished. So if you don't read and you haven't had the opportunity to be able to read your Bible, I encourage you to start, uh, maybe start in the book of John. That's one of my favorite books. I like the book of First and Second Kings because I'm a man and I like war. And we read about war in First and Second Kings. So, and uh, my name's Eli, and I was named after Elisha, and that's where we talk about Elijah and Elisha. So maybe that's why. So, but Philippians three is by far one of my favorite passages, and Paul is writing this from a prison cell. And I want to pick up in Philippians three, verse ten. It says this, that I want to know Christ in the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. Paul is not referring to dying like Jesus died. He's not referring to going on a cross and dying on a cross. But what he is saying is, I want to be like Jesus and giving all that I have for the kingdom of God. Whatever it takes, whenever, however, I want to be like him and partaking in his suffering to advance the kingdom. Okay, so verse 10, uh, but I pressed, sorry, I went a little bit further. Verse 11, and so somehow obtaining to the resurrection from the dead, verse 12, not that I've already obtained all this, all this stuff that God has for me here this side of heaven, or I've already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. So he is pursuing something on the other side of heaven. He is pursuing that because Jesus took hold of him. I press on to take hold of that for Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. He is pressing on. He is forgetting what is behind Pressing on towards what is ahead. In other words, he is more concerned about the eternal than he is about the temporary. He is more concerned about heaven. Can I tell you, in heaven, God has rewards for you. He has goals and, and, and things and crowns and jewels for you. Some of us will get into heaven. Heaven is the goal. Yeah, okay, heaven is the goal to an extent. To know Jesus is actually the goal. Like our desire is to know Jesus, and I'll go into that just a little bit. It's not just to escape hell, but it's to know Jesus and partaking in what Jesus is doing this side of eternity, but also after this side of eternity. Paul understood this. Paul understood that it wasn't always just about him. It was about Jesus and what he was doing. 
Now I can say that this message is for you. I know it's for you. I know it's for you because I feel like this is what God has wanted me to deliver today. But I need you to confirm that it's for me. And I need you to say this word. Say, this message is for me. Say, not for my neighbor. Say, it's for me. All right. Now turn to your neighbor and tell them the title of this message before we go into prayer. Say the title of this message. Say, what's in it for me? Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for your word that is true. God, speak through me today. God, I pray that you would open our eyes to hear you, see you, open our ears to hear you today. I thank you it doesn't return void, but I pray that it will accomplish the, word, the way for which you sent your word today. Speak to us today. And just right now, church, open up your hands and say these words after me. Say, Lord, speak to me. I'm listening. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Come on, put your hands together for the word of God today. Come on. Come on. What's in it for me? Paul understood that he wanted to partake in Christ's suffering, knowing that it wasn't about him, but it was about what Jesus was doing here on earth. Now, Jesus came, and when he came, he said to Peter, he said, Peter, blessed are you, for heaven, hell, earth has not revealed this to you, but heaven has. He said, on this revelation of who I am, Jesus Christ as being the Messiah, I will build my church. Can I tell you, there's one thing that Jesus came to build, and it was his church. Say that after me. Say, the church. The church, Matthew 16, 18. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell, Hades, will not overcome it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Jesus is about the church. The way he does the church is he gives the church keys to the kingdom of heaven. So there is a heavenly kingdom Jesus was after establishing here on earth, but not just here on earth, but beyond the earth, that we may say, Father who is in heaven, hallowed be thy name, your kingdom come. Your kingdom come, which means it's not fully present yet. God is trying to make his kingdom come here on earth through the church. Now that word church is a fancy Greek word known as ekklesia. Say that word. Say ekklesia. Ekklesia means in the Greek, a gathering of citizens called out from their homes into a public place, basically an assembly. So the church isn't a building, so we can have church at HQ rather than Ralston High School, or we can have church in a tent. Church is really the gathering of believers coming together first to glorify God, to edify and strengthen one another, but also to witness to the loss. So in that order, it's important that, that it is in that order because if it is the loss first, you end up compromising the gospel in order to please man. Now, we're not going to entirely get into that today, but it goes first to glorify God, a gathering of believers coming together to glorify God, edify one another, but also to reach the loss. It's an assembly of people convened at the public places of the council for the purpose of deliberating. Now, this word ecclesia is also mentioned in the Old Testament. For those of you that are, that are wanting to know a little bit more about Scripture and like its origin, the Old Testament was written in Hebrew. But then before Jesus came around, it was translated into Greek, also known as the Septuagint. And it uses this word ecclesia 
to describe the gathering of the Israelites. The Israelites were God's chosen people. And Jesus says in Matthew chapter 21, verse 43, that he says, therefore, I tell you that the kingdom of God will be taken away from you. He's talking to the people of Israel and given to a people who will produce its fruit. So now he's talking about the church. So he's saying, taken away, the kingdom of God will be established no longer through the nation of Israel, but through the church. That's Jew and Gentile alike. Those that are under the name of Jesus. So God is here to establish his kingdom and the means by which he does it is through his church. Are you all following with me here? Okay, so we are the church. We are the church. Say, I am the church. Okay, so Jesus is trying to establish his kingdom on earth through you. Not just through me, not just a person that has a microphone, but through you. In other words, you have a part to play in this house. You have a part to contribute in this house. See, God is about establishing his kingdom here on earth through his people, the church. The church, therefore, is about the kingdom of God, not the kingdom of people. Are you tracking with me? It's not about your kingdom come. It's not about yours. It's about his. It's about what he wants, not just about what we want. In other words, it's about what God wants, not what we want. See, if you're always consumed with what you want, it is a small, unfulfilling life that when we seek to just fulfill our desires. But being about what God wants actually fulfills us. And Jesus understood this. Jesus understood this in Matthew chapter four. He said, my food, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. He also said this in John chapter four. He says, I have food to eat that you do not know of. In other words, he is satisfying a desire in his stomach that is not necessarily physical. He is satisfying a desire of fulfillment by doing the will of the father, not his own will, not just what he wants, not just interested in consuming and doing what he wants, but actually in contributing. See, as a nation, I love our nation, and we may do a sermon series or a sermon one day on Christian nationalism. I think that the church would not have as much influence in the world today have it not been for the United States and the freedom that we enjoy. But for your warning, some of those freedoms that we enjoy can actually inhibit us from establishing the kingdom of God here on earth. It is a nation founded by the people for the people. Yes, but we cannot stop there. As believers, you were bought with a price for a purpose. In other words, it's not always about you and what you want. So in the United States, we come in and says it's by the people, for the people. I have the rights to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Yes, but don't stop there. The Christian life is actually in contrary to that life of pursuit. It is actually called that I was bought with a price, therefore I honor God with my body. That it's not actually always about what I want, it's about what he wants. It's about what God wants to do through me, not necessarily what I want God to do for me. Are you tracking with me here? So United States, you can be whatever you want in the United States. Yes, but as a believer, it's not about what you want. 
So we have to be able to confront this idea. And that's one of this hot ones topic that I want to tackle today is the idea of consumeristic Christianity versus contributive Christianity. It's one that seeks Jesus for what Jesus can do for him or one that seeks Jesus because of what Jesus has already done for them and what Jesus wants to do in and through them. Okay? So this is the idea here that we're, that we're tackling about today. So God saved us, and this is something that may get me kicked out of a church if I ever preach this message anywhere else, but it's okay because I'm going to preach it here. And uh, you yeah, can't kick me out. Uh, you're like, <laughs> are we supposed to laugh at that? I have accountability, and I have a board, I have overseers, so, you know, anyways. All right, so this is what, take note of this today, that God saved us to bring us into his kingdom. Okay, and this may be the controversial uh, phrase here. God saved us to bring us into his kingdom, not just to keep us from hell. This is important for you to understand today. He saved you to bring you into his kingdom, not just to save you from hell. See, the former is about him. The latter is about you. And when you come to church and you don't know Jesus, can I tell you, it is about you. But the moment you decide to make Jesus the Lord of your life, it no longer becomes about you, but it becomes about him and his kingdom. And his kingdom is about you. Do you see it here? But it's important that you don't get so self-centered. You don't get so self-centered that it's all about me because then you become a consumeristic Christian. But it's when you lay down your life to see his kingdom come that you actually find your life. Do you see? Because you find true fulfillment, not in what you can achieve or grab a hold of, but you find fulfillment in what God has for you. So it actually only comes from laying down your life. Okay, so God saved us to bring us into his kingdom, not just to keep us from hell. We cannot have that mindset towards Christianity, what is in it for me? You'll be disappointed. Paul understood this. All right, well, if we were true to who we were actually called to be when it comes to Christians, it's not just, hey, follow Jesus, he'll make your life so much better. I don't see that in the Bible. Now, he will from an eternal perspective, but there is no guarantee you he will this side of heaven. So then we set up people for failure when they start following Jesus, and I thought everything was all going to be better. It's like, no, actually, we are invited into his kingdom to partake in his suffering, which there's suffering that establishes his kingdom. Okay, so it's about his kingdom, not ours. It's not about what is in it for me, but having the mindset of, okay, now that I'm saved, what does God want to do through me? Okay, moving from what's in it for me to what God wants to do through me. Now, to establish this idea of the kingdom, Jesus talked about the kingdom, and Jesus is, in, is interested in about the kingdom, not our kingdom, but his kingdom, and he invites us to be a part of his kingdom. 
One verse I want to share with you is in Matthew chapter 12. Jesus is ministering to the crowd and his family comes up to him and they says, Jesus, we want to talk to you. And he says, well, I'm about people. My family is my brothers and sisters and my mother who are doing the will of the Lord. See, Jesus said, I have food that you do not know of. And that's to do the will of the Lord. And he says this, Matthew chapter 12, verse 46. I want to give an example of an earthly consumeristic tension and an eternal, uh, eternal contribution tension. Matthew 12, 46. While Jesus was still talking to the crowd, his mother and brother stood outside wanting to speak to him. Someone told him, your mother and brothers are standing outside wanting to speak to you. He replied to him, who is my mother and who are my brothers? Pointing to his disciples, he said, here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of my father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. Now it's important to understand the basis of what God came to do in earth to understand the context of this verse. Many people will use this verse to say, hey, this is why we should be all about the ministry or the church rather than about the family. Can I tell you that's a wrong perspective? Because that would throw out the 4,000 years prior to Jesus being about establishing the family. He gave Adam and Eve one thing, be fruitful and multiply. So then is he just going to throw it out of, throw the baby out with the bathwater and say, okay, well now it's all about the church. See, the church is also about healthy families. So to say that it's all about the church is throwing out the very thing that one of the church, the primary focuses of the church to establish his kingdom. Father, son, Holy Spirit, father, wife, child. I'm not going to get into that today, but there's two things that I want you to get from that is that Jesus was not demeaning his family at this moment. You have to understand this. He wasn't looking at it and say, my family doesn't matter. My ministry matters. He was not saying that. Other words, he would, otherwise he would have said, he would have said, this is my brothers here. These are my sisters. This is my mother. See, he was not demeaning his family. He was promoting his ecclesia. He was promoting the gathering. He said, no, you guys are now my brothers too. You guys are my sisters too. You guys are my mother too, because we have one father, father in heaven. He doesn't say father. Okay, you guys are my brothers. He was promoting the gathering. He says, we need to be like we are in a family and how tight we are in a family. We need to have that here in the house, in the church. So that's one thing you can take away, but get this as well. Jesus wasn't denying his love for his family, but he used their presence to contrast earthly loyalties with the more important eternal allegiance. Okay, so he used the presence of his family to, to share the, the difference between an earthly loyalty to an eternal allegiance. That we can't get caught up in things this side of heaven that we miss what God is trying to do for an eternal purpose. He's saying, so right now I am in an eternal purpose right now there will be time for me to step away to be able to do that. But right now I'm in the middle of an eternal activity and that was ministering. See, there is a difference between living for yourself though and living for his kingdom. Living for yourself to satisfy your own desires. Living for yourself makes everything about you. And when everything's about you, you will still never find what you're looking for because it will never bring fulfillment and that's one thing that everyone is searching for in life. That is fulfillment. You are looking for purpose. You are looking for purpose this side of heaven. 
And we are stuck in this tension of, I am living in the world, but do I find my purpose in the world? Or do I live in the world and I find my purpose in eternal things? This is a tension that we will never graduate out of. So if you think, well, I'm always just living for heaven, my brother, you're not because you're here on earth. Paul understood this. He said, forgetting what is behind, I press towards the mark of the high calling of God. He says, I am not yet already obtained it, but I'm going to live up to what I've already obtained. So before you, though, get an eternal perspective, you got to understand Jesus first was about eternity. And so once we follow Jesus, we need to no longer just be about ourselves, but we need to be about what Jesus was about, eternity. So we can't just seek Jesus. We cannot stay in a state where we just keep coming to certain places, looking at it, what's in it for me? What's in it for me? Rather than being, what does God want to do through me? Imagine if we went into marriage. This is, this, is, this is a prime example. If you went into marriage saying, this person, how many married people we got in here? Let me see. Let's see. All you single people, look around. Any hand not up? You missed your shot. Imagine if you went into married, marriage thinking, this person is going to fulfill me. They won't. You will be disappointed. In marriage, you have to be a whole person going in and marrying a whole person. Otherwise, all you're going to do is take from the other person something that they cannot give you. So you cannot find fulfillment going into marriage thinking, what's in it for me? Leaders in here, you cannot serve a person thinking, what's in it for me? You cannot go into an organization thinking, I'm going to help this person for what they can do for me. You cannot serve someone on the street who's needy or hungry thinking, what is in it for me? If you are pursuing what is in it for you, you will always end up empty. Rather, you should not ask what is in it for me or what can God do for me, but what does God want to do through me? It's the difference between a consumer Christian versus a contributing Christian. One that partakes in Christ's suffering, that picks up their cross daily to follow him, or one who follows Jesus, lays the cross on the side and continues to do what they want. It's consumeristic Christianity versus contributing Christianity. So we can't approach it, ask not what he can do for you. He already did enough. He saved you. He redeemed you. He called you by name. You are his. But that's the thing, that you are his. You were purchased. You are his now. And we need to move from it being all about us to it being all about him. What's in it for me? Rather, we should say, what can I do for him? But many of us never move beyond this. And we stay in what I like to call selfish Christianity, where we never take our eyes off ourselves and we start looking for th things to please us. So we start asking questions about church or about community thinking, well, what's in it for me? What does the church have to offer me? What are these people thinking about me? What does the music sound like to me? What is the preaching like for me? What is the coffee like for me? Now, I'd never hear this question at My City Church because we have the best coffee here at My City through Thrive. If you haven't gotten a coffee, make sure you stop by Thrive right after service. It's fantastic. Okay? 
But I want you to understand this today, that when it starts with you and ends with you, you will never find fulfillment in life. Stop asking what is in it for me and look at it as what does God want to do through me? It is this consumeristic-based Christianity that goes around shopping around for fulfillment this side of heaven. So this is what I see the state of church in today. They have a little shopping bag and they're walking around. I'm going to do my best shopping bag lady impersonation. How was that? No? Horrible. All right. Sorry. Black Friday shopping. Get out of the way! (laughs) But this is how I see people going to church, and it needs to stop. It needs to stop. This is how I see people approaching their Christianity. They have this bag, and they're going and they're shopping for things for myself. They're trying to fill my back. You're trying to fill your back. What if you actually drop that back and you found out, actually, I'm supposed to, out of me is supposed to flow streams of living water. So I'm not necessarily looking at what I can do as what is in it for me, but I'm looking at what I can do and what does God want to do through me? Like, I want to be able to approach church that way and get this. You will always seek to be fulfilled this side of heaven if earth is your final destination. So what that means is that you do not have the eternal things in mind. You have this side of heaven in mind. And we are called to live for eternity. The Bible says that we are just like dust that is here one moment and gone another. I shared this verse with my little girl, Eva. I said, Eva, the Bible says that we are but dust that blows away. And she says, Papa, What's butt dust? <laughs> I said, well, it's, is it, we're butt dust. And she I know, what is it? Uh, well, it's like when you blow dust. And it blows away. She goes, oh, I understand that. But you're here one moment and you're gone the next. Unless you're living for eternity. So I understand that there are rewards on the other side of earth. But if I live my whole life storing up treasures on earth where moss and rust destroy and thieves break in and steal, instead I should have an eternal mindset of things that are, that are everlasting. What is everlasting here on earth? People. People. Now I'm all for cars. I'm all for nice houses. I believe that if God has blessed you, then enjoy that blessing don't be like, if, if I gave my son a car and he never drove it, I would be upset as a father because I want him to enjoy it. I think our father in heaven wants us to enjoy what he gives us. But there does come a point when you try to get what God is giving you to use it just for yourself. We're seeing how can God use what he has blessed me to bless others. Being able to have that mindset is the difference between a contributing Christian versus a consumer, consuming Christian. You have to be able to look at what has God given me. They said it in Deuteronomy. They said, thank the good Lord for the land that he has given you. Thank him for he has given you the ability to produce wealth. 
Okay, being able to keep that in perspective, knowing that God is the one that blessed you, not the works of your hands, not the toil of your hands, but it's God who gave you that ability, is having the right mindset. And when you have the right mindset that it's all his, it will always be his, and it will never actually be mine, it actually enables you to be a proper steward of what he has given you, a proper steward that thinks of heavenly things, not just earthly things. Okay, so you'll always seek to be fulfilled this side of heaven if earth is your final destination. Jesus said it like this in Matthew 16, verse 24. Then Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple, everyone wants to be a disciple. If you're a follower of Jesus, that's the goal. It is actually not to be saved. It's not just about getting to heaven. Okay, I want to take you to, on a little bit of a trip here that I feel like the Holy Spirit has, has revealed to me that your goal should not be heaven. If your goal is heaven, you are serving Jesus for what he can give to you. Okay? Okay, Bible says that this is eternal life, that they may know you. Okay, so we can experience, to an extent, part of eternal life here on earth, to know God, to pursue God. And so for me, my goal is not heaven. Why? Because I've already been given that. I've been given that. And so now if I'm just living, just trying to get to heaven, bro, I'm missing everything that he wants to do through me here on earth. So he's saying, yes, I saved you, but I saved you for a kingdom. Help me establish my kingdom here on earth, not just so that you can get to heaven, but help me bring my kingdom through my church here on earth. So he said, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross and follow me. Luke 9 says, take up their cross daily which means you have to die to this consumer Christianity daily to pick up your cross. Paul said to partake in his suffering that I may know Christ in the power of his resurrection. I have to partake in his suffering, which means that there is a level where I have to deny myself. It's not just about what I want this side of heaven. It's about what he wants and what he wants to do through me. It says, take up their cross and follow me. Jesus is imploring you today to pick up your cross and follow him. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. Whoever's searching for fulfillment will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will find it. Are you catching the difference now? What's in it for me? Verse, I'm laying it all down, contributing God Whatever you want, whatever you need, I'm going to lose my life for you. We have got to move from this camp and get into this camp if we are ever going to find fulfillment. Whoever loses their life for me will find it. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world, yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? For the Son of Man is going to come to his Father's glory with his angels, and he will reward each person according to what they have done, not what they have believed. James said it like this, Jazz shared that earlier, is that faith without works is dead. You believe in Jesus, awesome. Even the demons do that, and they tremble. He says, show me your faith by what you do. Show me your faith by what you do. Show me your faith, in other words, by what you contribute, not what you consume. He should show me your faith. 
Are you walking by people that you can make an impact in each and every day? Now, I miss opportunities left and right. I'm disobedient all the time. I think I miss about 99% of the opportunities God gives me. But my heart is always, God, help me to get the next one. Help me to get the next one. I don't want to be in the middle of life and miss eternal kingdom impacts because I was so self-absorbed. Can I tell you that you have something to contribute? Jesus had a parable of the bags of gold. He gave one five, he gave one two, and he gave one one. The one with five turned around and doubled it, turned it into 10. He said, well done, good and faithful servant. Take part in your reward I prepared for you. The one with two turned it into four. Jesus said, well done, good and faithful servant. Take part in what I prepared for you. In other words, you get the reward. The one with one didn't do anything with it. He said, why didn't you do anything with it? The man said, I knew you to be a hard man. In other words, what he was saying, I was worried about what would happen to me if I, if I lost it. I was worried about me, so I held on to it. I was worried about me, so I buried it. Trying to find fulfillment, I actually ended up just burying, burying my purpose. And so we can't be consumed. It's, if Jesus has trusted you with it, I would rather have you try to do something with it and fail than not do anything with it at all. If I gave Winston a bag of bread and peanut butter and jelly, I said, Winston, here you go. Would love for you to make me something. And he just left it on the counter and didn't do anything with it. I would be more upset if he didn't do anything with it than if he tried to make something and he got jelly everywhere and he got peanut butter everywhere. As a father, I would be more pleased that he tried to please me with something rather than just hold on to what he had and was just about what he could get. And maybe you're in here today and you're thinking, well, I just have one bag of gold. What if you actually were the person that had five bags of gold and you were demeaning what God gave you? See, I want this church to be five bags of gold people. I want you to think that what I have been entrusted with is so significant. I got to contribute. Because if I hold back and I'm just about accumulating and holding on to it, I'm going to rob the whole world of the kingdom that needs to come. But some of y'all, we get stuck in this idea, I just have one bag of gold. But why does that matter? Even if it was one bag of gold, it's a freaking bag of gold. (laughs) I don't know how heavy is a bag of gold. It's heavy. It'd be heavy. An ounce is what, like 1,900 bucks right now for one coin? That's a lot of money. But we diminish what God has entrusted us with because we look at other people and we say, wow, look at what they have. What if they were one bag people? What if they were five bag people and they were at you are right now at one point in their life? And so now you rob the world of the kingdom of God because you diminish what you've been entrusted with. So see this, that your reward is directly proportional to what you have been entrusted with, not what you can do, but what you can do with what you have been entrusted with. In other words, that you've already been given enough to do what you need to do with it. Jesus didn't compare the man with two and the man with five. It was about multiplying it. It was about doing something with it. He didn't look at the one. He had two, but this person's got 10. No, no, no. He says, you were faithful with little, therefore you will be faithful with much. You are contributing what you got. You're giving what you got. I want a church that is just going to give what they got and doesn't hold back. Doesn't hold back. Isn't just going thinking, what's in it for me? But they're like, I'm going to contribute one way or another. Jesus gave another parable in the book of Matthew about the wedding banquet. He was having this great 
presentation, a wedding that he was inviting all these people to. And all of his friends were like, hey, I can't. I got a new piece of land. I want to check it out. One said, well, hey, I got married. I'm not going to be able to because I just got married and I want to check her out. One said, I got a new ox and I want to check that out. And Jesus was like, all right, well, here, I'm looking for people to contribute to my kingdom. He says, the kingdom of heaven is like, the kingdom of God is like this wedding banquet. I'm looking for people to contribute to my kingdom. And Jesus does that through his church. His church, the ecclesia, the gathering of the people. I'm looking for people to establish my kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven. The kingdom of God is like this. I asked people who had plenty of means to do so. They had five bags, they had two bags, and they said no. So then I went to everyone. I said, hey, anyone and everyone for my house is going to be full. So when it was full, because the people said, hey, I have something to give. And you know what I had to, they had to give? Practically nothing but their presence. Dad's in here. You don't have to have the best knowledge to write a book. You don't got to know how to raise the eight different types of smarts. You don't have to know how to be a good girl dad or a good boy dad. Sometimes all you got to do is just be present. Sometimes all you have to do is just be available. Sometimes all you have to do is just talk to your son or your daughter. You don't have to have all the wisdom. Holy Spirit can help you. If you lack wisdom, get around some other fathers in here. Hey, I need some help on this. My son's acting up like this. Or hey, I'm torn between. I got, you know, the advice that, you know, my parents, they were at every single baseball game that they could be at. But what I never asked you is what happened when my other brothers had baseball games? So there's this tension because I had four brothers. And can I tell you, life is intention. And you're never going to fully feel like you're doing the, the right thing all the time. You're going to feel torn. Because when you're giving $100 to the homeless person on the street or the person that you see is in need of food, you're thinking, yeah, but my family needs this. Yeah, but I need that. But you got to be able to have eternal things in mind but be okay with that tension that I'm in the world and I'm doing my best to serve God and his kingdom, but I'm still in the world. So we fall short all the time. I fall short all the time. And I want to give you permission to miss it. But what I don't want to give you permission is to stay down on yourself for missing it. Because God's going to keep giving you opportunities to contribute. That's a word for someone in here today. Okay, so that was the wedding of the uh, parable of the wedding banquet. The last one was the sheep and the goats. And this was, he said, in heaven, the kingdom of heaven is like sheep and goats that were separated in heaven. And he, the goats were over here and the sheep were over here. And he said to the sheep, hey, you saw me when I was hungry and you fed me. You gave me water when I was thirsty and I was homeless and you gave me a place to stay. So now go and take part in your reward. And they said, Father, when did we see you hungry or in need of water or in need of a place to stay? He said, what you did to the least of these, you did unto me. In other words, you were about contributing. You were about doing something greater than just yourself. The ghosts were over here and he said, hey, you saw me in need of water, food, and a place to stay and you didn't give it to me. So he threw them into the lake of fire. They said, well, when did we see you in this? He said, what you didn't do to the least of these, you didn't do unto me. Okay, so in other words, they were about what they were getting in life, not about what they were giving. You have the opportunity each and every day to make an eternal impact in someone's life. I do as well. I miss it all the time. But let's not do that anymore. You have something to contribute. It's not just one bag. It is significant. 
If he gave you a bag, if he gave you something and entrusted you with something, it is significant. And the best way to be to, to take advantage of what has been entrusted to you is to not think about it being there for you and what's in it for me, but is how did God want to use this to bring his kingdom through me? Would you stand to your feet? It's what you are entrusted with is, is determined by what is considered eternal, not temporary. Yes, you're called to be a good steward of the resources God gives you, your home. Don't let it become dilapidated. God doesn't trust you with something. Take good care of it. But have an eternal perspective in mind and the people that you impact on, it, on a daily basis. See, because Paul understood this. He said, I counted all as loss. Everything this side of heaven, I count all my pursuits to try to be pure by myself and my, my, my vain ambition to become righteous on my own ability. He says, I count it all as loss. He said, I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and the participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. And so somehow obtaining to the resurrection from the dead. See, not that I've already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. In other words, Jesus called him. He said, I saved you for a purpose. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind, temporary, and straining towards what is ahead, eternal, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. He says this. This we didn't read at the beginning, but we're reading now. Verse 15. All of us then who are mature should take view of such things to not live for the temporary, but to live for the eternal. And if on some point you think differently, that God too will make clear to you. Only let us live up to what we've already obtained. And he keeps going. Verse 17, join together in following my example, brothers and sisters. And just as you have been, have had us as a model, keep your eyes on those who live as we do. So he's saying, follow my example. And other people that live as though we do. We're not living for this side of heaven. We're living for eternity. When we're jumping up and down and we're praising, it's not because we're trying to get a, a, a whatever, a dopamine hit or just an excitement. Like we're understanding that there's an eternal aspect to our lives. And this is the part that really got me that I need you to understand today. Verse 18. For as I have often told you before and now tell you again, even with tears, many live as, as enemies of the cross. These enemies were Christians. They were people that came, we can read it earlier in Philippians, we can read it about it in Acts 15, that they came to try to establish salvation through the law. They came to try to establish salvation through means of righteousness on what we can do to be right with God, this side of heaven. These were enemies of the cross of Christ. He said their destiny is destruction. Their God is their stomach and their glory is in their shame. Their God is what is Jesus here for me, this consumer Christianity. Their God is their stomach. I'm just looking for satisfaction for me, not what God wants to do through me. Their mind is set on earthly things. Verse 20, but our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a savior from there 
the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control, will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. Their citizenship is in heaven. And we need to be a church that marks our citizenship in heaven. You agree this morning? If you're in this place and you're feeling like, hey, Pastor Eli, that's me. I need to learn how to die to myself on a daily basis. I want to take a moment. I want to pray with you because this is something that I need prayer for, that I continue to lay down my cross and want to live my own life, but I don't pick it up. So I lay it down trying to find fulfillment in my own life, my own desires, my own things. But I need to pick it back up and say, God, it's not about me. It's about what do you want to do through me? If you're in this place and you're saying, Pastor Eli, that's me. I need help laying down my cross. I'm raising my hand. Or I need help picking up my cross. I need, I'm raising up my hand. Would you raise up your hand so I can pray with you today? God, I pray for every single hand that is raised. That you would help us to be servants of the kingdom of heaven to bring the kingdom of God here on earth. God, so you see hands that are lifted high. Holy Spirit, do what you do best, and that is to help us. You are our good helper, our counselor. Help us to not live just selfishly thinking of what Jesus can do for me, God, but help us to live, God, fully laid down and seeing what Jesus can do through me. God, it's not just about us and what we can get. We thank you, God, for salvation, and we thank you for your provision. God, but we also want to take it a step further and not thanking you just for what you give. God, but we thank you also for the trials, and we thank you for the difficulty that you're, you're, you're transforming us and you're, you're creating perseverance in us, and you're beginning a work that you're going to see through completion. And so, God, I pray that you would help us to press on just like Paul did. Help us to press on. Holy Spirit, give us that strength. I see the word fortitude coming upon your church. I see them sliding down a hill, and I see a wall stopping them from sliding anymore. And so in Jesus' mighty name, I speak that over your church, your ecclesia, your gathering of your people, that they will slide back no more, but they'll be able to stand on the solid rock. They'll be able to stand on the firm foundation of who you are. God, I pray that they would be able to seize every opportunity, make the most of every moment, that we wouldn't be a church that continues to pass by opportunities that you give us. God, I thank you for your grace that keeps giving us opportunity after opportunity after opportunity. God, but I pray that we would be ones that seize the moment, that we would seize every chance that we get to bring your kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. God, you've entrusted us, whether it be one bag, two bag, five bags, whatever it may be, God, I pray that you would help us, God, to seize every opportunity that you give us, Lord. I thank you for your people. God, I pray that you would bless them. And just right now, let me pray over you before we close out today. God, I pray that you would bless them in their marriages. Some of you are about to make some really stupid decisions and God's saying, don't. He's saying, shut that devil up. Stop entertaining that thought. What have you been doing camping out in the devil's land for? He's saying, you need to come. You need to repent. You need to turn back to me. He's saying, don't entertain that anymore. God, I thank you for the marriages in this house. I pray that you would help them to be whole. God, I thank you for the children that are here, standing right here. I pray that you'd bless them. I thank you for the children that are in those back rooms. God, that you'd bless them, that you would keep them. 
God, I thank you for the husbands in here that you would give them strength and discipline to be the man of God that you have called them to be. One that is leading the home in pursuing your presence. One that is leading the home and bringing the word of God to their family. God, I pray that you would help strengthen them. Holy Spirit, strengthen them. God, and for all the women and the wives in here, God, I pray that you would strengthen them as well. I pray that there would be the, the, the words of the Spirit would be in their mouths more and, and in their homes more. That that heart and that burden of, of prayer and, and, and servanthood within their house, God, that there would be a selflessness. And I pray for the women that feel like they are at their end and I can't give anymore. And all I ever feel like is people are taking from me, taking, 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 taking. Holy Spirit, I pray that just as that jar of oil kept pouring out, that there would be a supernatural sustainability in the women of this church, that they are living a life of overflow, continually able to contribute and give, not from what they have, they don't have it, but they have been given and entrusted by the Holy Spirit, that money and gold I do not have, but what I do have, I give you. Father, I pray that there would be a supernatural substance in order to contribute to the families and the children's and the husbands and, and, and the people throughout this church. God, and I pray for for all of the people of my city, that you would help us. We need your help, Holy Spirit, to be your light in this city. So here we are, God. We're available for you. Would you bless us? Would you keep us? Bless us in every contract that we're looking to sign. Bless us in every contract that we are looking to sign that we don't need to sign, so we end up saying no to something that is good, but it's not God. God, I pray that you'd give us wisdom and discernment to know the difference. I pray that you'd bless the students of this house, the families, and the homes, in Jesus' mighty name, keep them and watch over them, God. We love you, and we pray all these things in your name. Amen. Thank you so much for listening today, and we want to give a special thank you to those that give so generously to My City Church. We wouldn't be able to do this without you. If you would like to give today, please hit the link in the description or go to our website at mycitychurch.cc forward slash give. And if you enjoyed today's podcast, please hit the subscribe button and share it on all of your social media. We love you so much. We'll see you next week. God bless.